Cincinnati. Hello and welcome to episode 215 of Cincinnati, the uh, Bengals UK podcast. My name's Paul, I almost forgot. It's been two months, dear listeners. I didn't realise it was two months until Nathan and I um, were chatting about it. Yes, it's been two months. I know, I said, my name's Paul Hirons, by the way. Hello, it's great to be back with you uh, in the lead up to training camp. Yeah, I, I promised, didn't I, that would, there would be intermittent podcasts over the summer i was lying quite obviously uh, i think we've both gone off and enjoyed the break and uh, for various different reasons and in different ways uh, nathan likes to go to far fun places and get involved in uh, in debauchery don't you nathan so but yeah anyway uh let me bring in nathan nathan here's the cock to my ovan if you uh if you this, this is the first time you've listened here's the apple to my pie uh, he is the uh, egg to my custard. He's lots of things, really, uh, but he is first and foremost and always will be Nathan Palmer. How you doing, my son? Pleasure to be back. Two months, really long time, and it's felt like it, you know. I'm almost, like, confused as to what this podcast is about, what we're supposed to talk about. <laughs> sort of American football team in Cincinnati, isn't it? Um, I think so. The Cincinnati... Um... Bear, uh, Bumble Cats, uh, what they called? The, Bumble the Bumblebees. Is Ellie De La Cruz, is that right? That's right, the Ellie De La Cruz, Ellie, Ellie De Genres, uh, Joe, what's his name? Joe, Joe, uh, Joe Lucho. It is all going off in Cincinnati sports wise. I mean, there's us kind of enjoying the ashes and whatnot, but in Cincinnati, you've got the Reds doing very well, as you alluded to. Uh, and also FC Cincinnati, top of the table, looking mad, fantastic. I mean, yeah, what mad. a time to be uh, a Cincinnati sports fan, not just the Bengals, but now the Reds and also FC Cincinnati. Amazing it's, scenes. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how FC Cincinnati had done that because they were pretty awful, like with the greatest respect for a couple of years, wouldn't they? And then now they're top of the table and Lionel Messi's in a Miami bottom, which just seems completely outrageous, but... <laughs> It is what it is. Yeah, it, part of me wishes I, I wish I was into baseball, and I've always tried, but I can't get into it. But yeah, that oh, guy Dela Cruz, goodness me, he looks like a proper specimen, doesn't he? Uh, I mean, this, you talk about Cincinnati sports, and you know, obviously, both the Bengals and the Reds have gone through a pretty rough time of it. You know, going back over the last decade or so. But you look at what the Reds have got now, and Ellie Dela Cruz, and the Bengals in Joe Burrow, and if you're um, a Cincinnati-based sports fan, you, you've got to feel that you've got a pretty exciting, you know, next five, ten years or so in you. And I don't know how it works with baseball contracts and how long, you know, how long people stick around. But you know, certainly if Dela Cruz continues the way he's going, you know, minus the last couple of games, I mean, 
exciting time to be a Cincinnati Bengals and Cincinnati Reds fan. Indeedy, weedy. Now, as you mentioned, it's been a while. Uh, we've just got to rub the sleep from our eyes and emerge bleary-eyed from the little summer break, a little summer hibernation, and uh, get back into it. Because, believe it or not, Nathan, training camp is next week. Can you absolutely believe that? That bonkers, isn't it? I mean, there is always that time where I think you sort of get your head down for, you know, sort of end of May, June, and then you sort of, you know, you pop it up again. And all of a sudden, you know, I think the Hall of Fame game is in like two weeks or something obscene like that, right at the very beginning of August. And, you know, the second a bit of live football action turns up and you see, you know, people like, you know, your Dan Hordes and all your media types at the Bengals training camp, you know, tweeting out their observations. You all of a sudden get pretty excited, didn't you? And you start, you know, watching some film and all of a sudden the preseason comes on and, you, you know, you the preseason, the first game, when you're watching it, you almost feel like the Super Bowl and then quite quickly sort of into the sort of third quarter, you, you know, you're regretting that. But yeah, I'm buzzing for it, mate. I mean, it's been a long time after. The off-season's always a long one. Um, in the NFL, but yeah, when it comes back, it's it's a rather delicious treat for you, isn't it, after the summer? Oh, it's a delicious summer treat, Nathan. It's like a, it's like a Solero wrapped up in a strawberry split, wrapped up in a Cornetto, put on the barbecue, doused with barbecue sauce, and uh, frozen once Mena- again. Uh, and what? And dunked in a Menabrea. And dunked in a Menabrea. Goodness me, listen to that. We're name checking all our old favourites again. Um, Right, what should we talk about first? There has been some news. Well, first of all, let's just run down what we're going to do in this episode. Nathan and I are going to get back into the, you know, the whole habit of talking shit. And I would imagine for both Nathan and I that won't take very long. (laughs) Because it's like talking shit, Nathan, is like riding a bike, apparently. And uh, uh, yeah, so let's see how that goes. Um... We do have a special guest to kick off things, um, the first episode back for a while. We do have a special guest, and that guest is Mr. Kevin Huber, the recently retired Pro Bowl punter for the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, we've got half an hour with Kevin Huber. And he, as you can imagine, has been brilliant. He talks about, um, talks about his favourite teammates. Uh, he talks about his favourite moments as a Bengal. He talks about his worst moments as a Bengal. He talks about his decision to retire. He talks about the game that shall not be mentioned. He, oh, no. Do you know what I mean? He talks about everything, basically. I really I really rinsed him, basically. I wrung him out to dry. Uh, but Kev was good enough, as he always is, to, um, to go through everything and said some really interesting things, not just about the players he's played with, but uh, little insights into the locker room, insights into the different coaching stars of Marvin and Zach. Uh, insights into, you know, the Super Bowl runs. Insights to his own kind of um, thinking when it ca- when it came to hanging up his cleats. Brilliant stuff from Kevin. So that'll be along in a little while. Uh, but first, Nathan, we've got to talk about Joe Mixon uh, because um, lots of speculation. Last thing we heard from Mixon, he was chatting to Elise Jesse. Um, said he doesn't want to leave Cincinnati. Uh, but that's not, you know, it's not necessarily his decision, I guess. Uh, he's not had the grace of off seasons off the field, let's just say. 
Um, however, he has now uh, put to bed that any speculation that he'll be going, or the Bengals have put to bed any speculation that he's going. Um, and it came out that they've restructured his contract, but I'm not buying that. I think, I mean, you look at the the what has actually happened. Um, he's basically taken a pay cut, hasn't he? Yeah, and I think everyone knew something was coming with Joe Mixon. I don't think anyone seriously thought the Bengals were going to sit there and pay him what he was due. It was, you know, in a, in a difficult running back market in terms of pay and in terms of really where Joe Mixon's at in his career now. I think it would have been an enormous overpayment. I think for the Bengals, when you look at their options, it's probably the right way to go. I don't think anyone would have been that comfortable just chucking in Chase Brown in there as a rookie fifth round pick I think that would have been a bit much um, I still think Joe Mixon's got something left in the tank I, you look around the league and there was a list of running top 20 running backs that came out today that Joe Mixon didn't make and I think it'll light a bit of a fire under him you know he's still got he's still a young guy realistically I think he's what is he about 20 27 28 something yeah. like that you know he's still you know relatively young I know for running backs that probably feels a bit um, he's 26. I just looked at that now. He's going to be um, 27 this month going into the season. But that's still, you know, most sports, it's like that's the peak of your career. You're ready to go. So I, th I still think he's got some gas in the tank. And I think it says a lot about him that he wants to stay in Cincinnati. You know, I think he, if he got cut, he probably would have been able to test the market. He would have got picked up. He's still a talented guy. And ultimately, there's not much out there, is there? Free agent running backs. You know, we talked about this before and had a look at some of the options out there. Yeah. You'd really be picking off, you know, the scrap heap a bit in terms of. Dalvin Cook's still out there. Zeke Elliott's yeah. still out there. Part those are two big names, aren't they? Really, let's but, face it. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, Dalvin Cook, as good as he is, he's got durability concerns, and he's been he very much is sort of in and out. But if you got him at his best, I think that would probably be a slight upgrade. But yeah, yeah, know, the Bengals. I've got a ton of extensions coming up, as we know. I mean, everyone's talking and sort of, you know, having a think about the Joe Burrow contract and when that's going to come, how much it's going to be, how it's going to be structured. The Bengals are trying to assure up some money there. They won't want to go and throw that at, you know, other running backs. It's a position that I think with Mixon and, um, you know, like a bit of rotation, they'll feel quite happy with. And then that just frees up some immediate cash, you know, to try and lock up some of these people like Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. So ultimately, we knew something was going to happen there. I think it's probably the right move, don't you? Yeah, I mean, you look at what's gone down. He's taken a $4.39 million pay cut this year and a $4.67 million pay cut next year. That's quite a big pay cut. You know, he's he's probably gone for it. I mean, he's swallowed any pride and figured out this is where he wants to be. Cincinnati is his home. He wants to, I don't think he'll retire as a Bengal, but do you know what I mean? He'll be here for sort of eight, nine years at the end of his contract next year. Mm. But I do wonder whether he's sort of seen the lacklustre running back market elsewhere and thought, do you know what? He's not going to get any better elsewhere, actually. And what? this is probably yeah. the best, best kind of financial scenario for him. Uh, that no, also I feeds into the best life scenario for him. He gets to stay in Cincinnati. He loves the team. The team love him. Um, you know, he's still getting paid decent money. Um, yeah. But, you know, that's that's a fairly hefty pay cut to take. But I think perhaps a few different factors, um, um, you know, influenced that, that decision, I think. 
Yeah, a hundred percent. And if you think about it from his perspective, he's on a contender. He knows the team, and he knows he's like realistically the the, the starter. He's got no one that he's going to you know sort of take his position off him. He's going to be the opening day starter, and there's nowhere around the league that he could go if he was released. And they'd say, yep, we'll have Joe Mixon starting day one. The other thing that we've got to remember as well here is the Bengals will be very well versed and understand the legal situation regarding his um, his potential like off-season troubles. And they must be comfortable enough with that and, you know, sort of be willing to take that baggage on with him. Whereas if he turns up and he goes to Denver, he goes to the New York Jets, anyone around the league, that's something that they probably, with a sort of aging running back, just can't be bothered to take, you know, take that on the chin so I think all around it works for the Bengals he he's probably our best option like say maybe Dalvin Cook as well going into to week one but I think we all feel quite comfortable with what he's got I think he'll have something to prove and I think he's well liked in the locker room you know you think about Joe Burrow Jamar Chase T Higgins Tyler Boyd the big guys on that team you know the offensive line I think he's got good chemistry with them he's viewed as a leader in that locker room I I, I think it's a fairly smart move and like you said before one that works for both parties indeed so your running back room at the moment looks like Mixon, Travion Williams, uh, Chase Brown and Chris Evans so yeah there's some interesting things you know Travion's obviously got to step up but I'm actually pretty confident that Travion can do a decent job I do think we're going to miss P. Ryan I have to say just just his He's, he's sort of, I don't know, he always sort of stepped up at the right moment and made a play. Really difficult. That game against Buffalo when it took like two, three, four plays to bring him down. Really difficult to bring down. Um, I don't know. I You know, we, we're, you know you and I are fans of Travion. He's been on the podcast before. Lovely guy. Smart guy as well. Um, and I just hope, uh, I just wish him the best because it would be amazing if it was kind of quite a seamless Transition, but yeah, you know, we have lost a bit now. Uh, P. Ryan's uh, gone, haven't we? I'm not, uh, I'm not worried about P. Ryan going. No, with no disrespect to Samajo P. Ryan, he's a good blocker, and like you said, he had his moments. But I'm comfortable with Travion being given a chance and Chase Brown coming in. I think you've got a bit of youth there. I think Travion, yeah, Williams no, 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 you have to, you have to, you know, and you have to kind of replenish and restock. And Chase Brown looks kind of quite an interesting character. He could be the sort of P. Ryan style uh, load back, you know what I mean? But um, we'll see, we'll see. I'm interested to 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 see those guys in action in camp, and obviously as preseason uh, comes around, interesting. Uh, yeah, Chase Brown's one of those guys that I'm really interested to to see. Uh, other news, I would say Ken Anderson uh, is yeah. another semi finalist, a Hall of Fame semi finalist. Let's hope. Him and Willie, the two Andersons, um, can uh, just cross that final hurdle. I think I think they've got a chance. Um, let's hope so. I think obviously Ken des- has deserved it ever since he retired. You know, back in the early eighties. Um, so they've taken their sweet time in acknowledging. Um, actually, there was a there's a guy I follow on my personal Twitter account. Uh, he's just like a general NFL fan. And he's really cool, actually. He he kind of collects eighties uh, paraphernalia, like videos and Betamax, you know, video recorders and old technology and video games and things like that. He's quite an interesting follow for an eighties kid like me as well. Um, but there, he responded to, and he's got no no vested interest in this. He just responded to. He quote tweeted 
a question. You know, you know what off seasons like in the NFL. People come up with dumbass questions. Who's better than the? You know, who's better, Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow? And then there's like loads of arguments online for no reason whatsoever, other than that. You know, people really fall for these kind of clickbaity argument questions. I guess because they were just really bored. But um, someone asked a question: Who is um, who's the best player? Not yet in the Hall of Fame, and he answered straight away Ken Anderson, and I thought that was kind of quite interesting because the knock on Ken has always been that he's not a household name, um, and yet he, you know, he was an NFL MVP, held all these passing records for a little while. So yeah, I, I definitely think Ken Ken is worthy, as is Willie, really. Absolutely. I think Ken's got a good chance, actually. I, I've just, I don't know, there's a bit of bubbling. And I think the Bengals have done a fantastic job, as we said before, just pushing their marketing a bit more, making themselves a bit more visible. I also honestly think, as well, when the team plays well and the team wins games and the team's got superstar like Joe Burrow, it just puts you in the, the spotlight a bit more, shines the light on some of those, um, you know, the legends from the team. And I, I really do think that's helped the case of. Um, you know, some of those players that are deserving of getting into the Hall of Fame. Speaking of legends, uh, the Ring of Honor is going to be announced pretty soon. It might even be this week, the two, the next two inductees. Um, I was having a discussion in our little group on Twitter earlier. Yeah, I, th- I don't know. I think it's a really difficult one. I still think that, the. I think for me, I would like to see the team induct you know, choose one player themselves and then leave the other player open to fan voting. Because I do think there is a, a lot of recency bias. Everyone, Obviously, everyone wants Chad in, you know, which is fair enough. Yeah. Everyone wants AJ in when he becomes eligible pretty soon. Everyone wants Whitworth in, fair enough. You know, um, I, 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 I feel sort of slightly sorry for the guys like Bob Trumpy, who's in his mid to late 70s, uh, yeah. Lamar Parrish, you know, those sort of guys. I do think those guys deserve to get in, and I do fear they won't. Uh, and if they, because of the way, you know, current fans vote, and that's not a knock on the fans, it's just, you know, it's recency bias. You know, well, who are you going to vote for? The, the players that you like and that you know, that's fair enough. But I do think, in terms of the historic. Um, players if you want to call them that that doesn't sound too insulting but um you know i do think you know the club should choose one per year and then the other person uh is voted for by the season ticket holders and then you can have a chat in i mean me personally i would get bob trumpy in this year and i would also choose boomer because he's also been an nfl mvp um and he's also sort of one of the team's, uh, you know, best known players throughout the throughout the whole um, throughout the franchise history, isn't he? Really, uh, and then you can look at Chad, and then you can look at people like that next year, you know. Um, so yeah, uh, we'll soon see. But good luck to everyone. Everyone, I mean, let's face it, everyone kind of deserves to be on that Ring of Honor. Really, uh, the names in there: Max Montoya, Lamarche Parish, Chris Collinsworth, James Brooks, all these guys. 
Uh, if it was up to me, James Brooks would be the first person on on the list because he's you know. Um, You're getting the elf squad in some. You I know. Aren't. That's right. I might as well get all the the entire eighty eight squad. Me and you being there. <laughs> well, maybe after after ten years of service, Nathan. Maybe we <laughs> should be. Maybe there should be a campaign for us two to be on be on the Ring of Honor. <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious. Um, right. I think that's it. Um, that's all we've got to say for news-wise. We're not going to go into training camp too much. We'll start talking about that next week. You know, who we're looking forward to seeing, who where the battles are, um, all that kind of stuff. We'll be talking about that next week. Yeah, go on, Nathan. Yeah, do you know what? I'm looking at the Bengals' depth charts. I mean, I've really been out of the loop with the Bengals for the last month or so. You know, there's not been too much going on. I'm looking at the depth chart, and there's some guys on here that are fourth string that are obviously undrafted free agents. And I've... I shame to say I've not heard of half of them. Like, have you heard of Yusuf Corker? Yes, safety uh, picked up last year, wasn't he? Undrafted free agent, I believe. Yeah, Shaka Haywood. Yeah. Gormazi. <laughs> I don't know. He's uh, he's he's uh, Shaka Haywood. He's uh, he's one of them, isn't he? He's a defensive lineman, isn't he? <laughs> oh, it's close. Well, he's oh. a linebacker. Ah, oh, sorry, Shaka. Sorry. Um, Devonsha Maxwell. Sorry, Devonsha. Devonsha Maxwell. Uh, you know, it's cornerback, isn't he? He's a cornerback. It has to be. No, defensive tackle. Oh. Ray Johnson the third. Ray Johnson. Ah, oh, he's, he's good. Love, love Ray. He's good, isn't he? Um, he's. Uh, <laughs> He's 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 a he's a he's a guard, isn't he? <laughs> he's a left defensive end. Oh god. Yeah. Don't know, fair play to these geezers though. You know, they're gonna have this is the thing about training camp, is it? They're gonna come in, they're gonna have a chance, they're gonna stick it on the line. And if one of these guys, Shaka Haywood, Raymond Johnson, Devonshire Maxwell has a big camp, they get on the practice squad or even better, yeah. they're the you know, the star of training camp and they sneak on the roster. Unlikely, but you know, you love yeah. to see yeah, that, you're right it's the beauty of training camp you know you yeah. do get to see some and and pre-season as well you look at how Joseph Asai sort of exploded onto the scene and then very quickly whatever the opposite of exploded is imploded I guess um, and was lost for the year but do you know what I mean um, I think Tyson Anderson had a good couple of pre-season games last year as well but he disappeared through injury so that's another thing looking forward to seeing the likes of uh, Tyson Anderson, Kwame Lasseter, wide receiver. You'll get to see Charlie Jones play at wide receiver. Do you know what I mean? Um, there's some, there's a few battles going on, and uh, the biggest, well, the most interesting, I think, is is the right tackle position. But again, we'll go into that a little bit next uh, next week. But um, as I say, we do have a special guest. So yeah, let's let's bring in the the man, the myth, the legend. Cincinnati. And now, as promised, it's one of our favourite ever Bengals, I think it suffice to say. Um, our relationship goes back to 2016 when we met outside the Admiralty and he was good enough to stop and chat. And that relationship has kind of continued off and on since then. It is, of course, um, the Bengals' all-time leading uh, appearance. How What would you describe that? What, I, what I'm struggling here, Kevin. What, how, what, uh, appearance yeah. maker, or what, what do you say to that? Most, most games played for a Bengal. 
There you go. That's better. Thank you for having me. If you didn't know already, it is the magnificent Pro Bowler, AFC Championship winning, AFC North winning multiple times, uh, and Super Bowl appearing, uh, Kevin Huber. Kevin, how are you doing? I'm doing great. You know, just uh, enjoying uh, a lot more free time than I have it. You know, I've had in the past. Uh, just kind of getting used to the new, uh, the new life of being retired, and you know, managing my golf tee times. <laughs> Kevin, you're 36. You're not retired yet, surely. Oh, I'm done. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm full on retired. I'm done. I, you know, I. It's just one of those things. You know, through the years, guys that I've talked to that have um, that were older than me, they're like, yeah, you'll know when it's time. And I think uh, after the season, I knew uh, it was time for me just to to hang it up and and just uh, move on and you know find something else to do with my life. And. Um- we're approaching training camp, obviously, and you've been doing, you were a player for a long time, hugely successful, as I mentioned, uh, loved by the fan base, Cincinnati kid, all the rest of it, you know, um, this, how are you feeling right now when all the, everything's starting to kind of, you know, gear up again and players are talking about getting into training camp, journalists, us fans are kind of, you know, just slowly emerging from the summer and the postseason and game. How do you feel though? Because this is, as you mentioned, this is very, must be a very different feeling for you. Yeah, it's definitely different, but I'd say it's uh, it's pretty relaxing. Um, I'm <laughs> trying to figure out, you know, how I'm going to train for the summer or, you know, if there's weather, I got to find somewhere else to punt. Um, I don't worry about any of that right now. So it's, it's, uh, it's kind of a nice change of pace for this, this time of year. I'm sure when I start seeing them in camp and, you know, you know, thinking back on the times and the practice field in the locker rooms, just that camaraderie, you know, I'll probably miss a little bit, but as of right now, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty comfortable where I'm at. And I guess this is not, this is not something sudden. You probably, I would imagine you've thought about this for a while now, ever since what happened last year. Um, and would that be the case? It's not a sudden thing. You, you must've been thinking about this for a little while. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's, this is, you know, I've been thinking about this probably for the last three, four or five years. Um, oh, wow. You know, just, you know, playing for this long is, you know, not very common in the NFL. So, um, you know, it's just something that's been on my mind for a while. Um, just, you know, I just so I, you know, I didn't want to get caught off guard and, you know, you know, take it the wrong way. I, I want to be prepared for it. So I just kind of started thinking like, you know, you know, th- this could be the year, but, you know, I don't want it to be, but I know that it could be. Um, so I think I've always been prepared for it. Um, I just knew, you know, kind of once the season was over, I knew that that was time for me to actually, you know, kind of go out on, on my terms and decide when I left versus being, you know, told like you can't play anymore. And was that really important to you to to doing things on your on your terms, on your level and owning the situation, I guess, because some some players don't get to do that. You know, some players kind of, as you say, get going to get called into the coach's office and have that awkward conversation but that this is something that you wanted to do leave on your own terms and i think you you probably earned that right and you probably thought that too yeah it's definitely something that was important to me to be able to do um you know you see all the time you know if guys get caught up in it and you know they might get released and they think they're not they're not prepared yet and you know they go several years of continually training and and you know before they know it they've um you know, they've kind of wasted a couple of years of, you know, time, energy, money, um, still thinking that they might have a chance. And it's just something I didn't want to I didn't want to put myself in that position to, um, 
you know, think that I should be doing something that I shouldn't be doing. Um, so I was, you know, it was, it was really important for me to be able to just kind of on my time decide when it was time for me to be done. Was there a moment as you said that you knew, and I think a lot of sports people, men and women who have played their particular sport for, for a long time, uh, have always said, you know, like you say, you will know when it happens. Um, was there a specific moment? Cause you seem to really go through the roller coaster of emotions last year. You know, you had, you and Drew had a, proper punting competition at the start of training camp you won that competition and then drew ended up finishing the season as starter so that was a lot of highs and lows there in that in that least last season was there a moment where you thought actually do you know what it's it, it is time for me to to hang up my my punting shoes yeah i you know i think uh it was kind of a combination of a lot of things you know back in training camp um, I think I started seeing um, kind of the difference in, you know, kind of like this new wave of punter coming in and just how much more um, time and effort it took me to get to the point that I needed to be. That was kind of like the first sign for me. And then I, you know, I, I you know, won the job out of camp and um, I was like, okay, you know, I, I, I can still, I still got this. I, still, I can still do it. And then about halfway through the season, you know, as everybody knows, I got released um, for Drew to be a starter. And, you know, I, you know, I would have done the same thing if I was in their place. Um, you know, I, my numbers were going down as the season went on. I felt like I started pretty strong and then just kind of started declining. And they, you know, they felt that that was for the team, the best move to make. And, um, you know, that was probably a, a big, a big part of it for me. Um, and then throughout the year, just being back on practice squad and, um, trying to help Drew out as much as I could and just kind of be on the team. Um, and then once the season was over, I was like, I was kind of at peace. I wasn't like, man, I need to start getting back in the weight room to find another team to work for. Um, I was pretty happy with where I was. So I think that's kind of where I knew that, you know, that's those kind of three phases of it, training camp, you know, the release, and then after the season, I kind of just looked back at all of those things and realized that like that this was time. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I did think, I wonder if Kev is going to think about maybe having another year at the Colts or wherever it might be. I think the Bills were looking for a punter at some point. Um, did that ever cross your mind? As you say, you're. A, did you always want to finish your career as a one-team guy with your hometown team? Did that play into it as well? Yeah, I think ideally, like, I've always wanted just to play one team the entire time. Now, I'd be lying if I said I didn't think about playing for other teams just because I don't, I think that would be dumb if I didn't just because, mm -hmm. you know, how this league is, you know, they could call you, you, you could think you're playing your best ball and they can call and release you. So it's, yeah. it's one more just being prepared and not necessarily like a desire to play somewhere else, but more um, just a situation to be prepared for in case, you know, whatever happens. Right now. Let's so much to talk to you about, Kev, but um, let's go back to uh, when you first uh, was drafted. The Bengals put out this magnificent, very emotional video. Um, I think it was at the end of last season, wasn't it? Um, that was just amazing. And it just, I mean, I i went to uh, Nippet Stadium last year for the first time yep. and um, I saw... Greg Cook's name and all these others' names on their kind of ring of it's like 
Kevin Huber's on that Ring of Honor at Nippet Stadium. That's amazing. You're a big deal in Cincinnati. And um, what I wanted to ask was what, when you when you were drafted by the Bengals, that must have been an incredible moment. And then you walk into a locker room with Terrell Owens and Chad Johnson and all these kind of big personalities. Welcome to the NFL. What what do you remember about those first few years in the NFL? Um, I, the the first year for for sure was just complete whirlwind. You know, just coming to the locker room, like you said, with those names, um, guys that you know less than a year a year ago you were watching them, you know, in the stadium watching them play, and then you know, fast forward, you know, nine ten months, you're in the locker room with them and competing alongside of them. So that that part was pretty surreal to walk into that. And then just the, you know, the moving parts of a season and getting used to that compared to college was like before I knew it, that first season was over. And I think after that first season, I really settled down and just kind of started to enjoy it. Had a full off season to, to just kind of relax and kick back and, you know, take the time to really focus on, um, you know, punting and, you know, getting myself, you know, comfortable with where I was. Um, so really that first year was just head spinning and then it really calmed down for there and i can just really start enjoying it who were the characters who were the mad ones i mean obviously chad i mean being in that locker room it was a it was a team full of potential but didn't quite catch on and then it did once i had to say once chad left and carson left you were caught in that kind of well you weren't personally caught in all that but you know you you were observing that whirlwind of chad leaving and then carson leaving the controversy there and then we got AJ Green, Andy Dalton. I would imagine the polar opposites in terms of personalities to those guys, right? Yeah, I, um, you know, I'd say Car- Carson's a pretty reserved guy, pretty quiet. Hey. So, you know, personality-wise, he's pretty similar to Andy as when, when it goes to that. Um, but um, you know, AJ super quiet, just comes in, works hard, does his job. Um, so that was a bit of a change, I- I'd say, from. Uh, you know, if you want to compare Chad to AJ, um, but just, you know, we started, those guys started getting drafted. It's kind of just, they started meshing really well together. Um, and then started getting some of the defensive guys with like Gino um, and those guys. And it just really started meshing well. And, um, you know, we had that nice run of playoff appearances. Unfortunately, we didn't make one or we didn't win one, but uh, it was, it was kind of a fun, you know, you can start to see what, you know, what it could be and just how quickly, the uh, the city was all on board and um, just back in the team. It was a lot of fun. And we we started Bengals UK around that time as well. So, um, I mean, we don't like to talk about the game that shall not be mentioned, but we have to mention it a little bit. I think was that was that loss to the Steelers um, your biggest disappointment as a player, perhaps. Um. Probably one of the most, yeah, I'd have to say it's probably one of the more disappointing games that I've probably been a part of. Um, you know, obviously the Super Bowl is extremely disappointing, but as far as kind of wasted potential um, and wasted opportunity, I think that's probably up there. Um, just going into that game, I think, you know, I, I remember sitting there in the stretch line. I was like, there's there's absolutely no chance for losing this game. I was like, just you could just feel the vibe from the team, the energy, the confidence level and, you know, and then, you know, fast forward to the fourth quarter and the last probably what five minutes or so, three minutes. And that all changed. 
So it just kind of it just shows just how how close and how much parity there is in the NFL, which makes you know the NFL the reason that it's so fun is just that you've got to play the entire the entire game, and you know maybe our overconfidence got us to that point um, of you know giving it away in the last three minutes, but. You know, Do you think that's what it was? Overconfidence? Do you think? I don't know. I don't know if it's overconfidence or if it's, um, you know, if we had lack of experience in the moment, you know, because you know Pittsburgh's had the success and they can, you know, yeah. they, they've there and they've they've done that and they've got a lot of guys that you know how to finish games and you know no one on our team had done that before. You know, we might have had a couple guys um, that have won some playoff games, but for the most part. You know, the majority of not. So, you know, it could be lack of experience, um, you know, overconfidence along with lack of experience. Um, but it's just it's unfortunate how, how it played out. All right, that's enough talking about that game. Um, let's not open old scars and wounds there. I want to fast forward that after, well, after that game and when Marvin left, did you and and obviously Zach came in, had a couple of really tough, tough first few seasons, right? And um did you think, goodness me, I've missed my chance here? I, you know, we were close. We had a championship-winning team, uh, or at least caliber team in 2015. I think I don't think anybody would dispute that. Did you kind of think after those first couple of seasons with Zach? Oh man, this I might have missed my chance here. Um, it's a good question because you know, yes and no. Um, I, I'd say probably right off the bat, I was like, man, that was that was probably the best team that's that I might be a part of. And then, you know, once even through those couple of seasons that were uh, down for Zach, it was interesting for me to kind of like watch. Cause I had been, you know, I'd been around for enough years now. Um, even though we were not great, the guys were still bought in. And even to the last game, they're still fighting hard, trying to win the game, which, you know, in most, most scenarios that I've been a part of, if, if we we're having a losing season, which we had a couple of those under Marvin, you know, guys were so checked out at the end of the year. It was just like, you know, they're like, can we get to vacation, you know, sooner? And it, it just wasn't the same feel. So I was kind of like, oh, it's different. Like, it's interesting, you know, how how guys are looking at the season still and we're, you know, 2-12 and 12 or 2-14, and 14, whatever we were. And, you know, and then, you know, you see Joe come in who is, you know, as good as advertised and his locker room presence and everything, you're like, man, if we could get some guys around him and just kind of start building around this guy, like we got, we got a chance to, to build something really good. And, you know, I remember Zach's just saying, I, I had some conversation with him along the way and um, some other coaches in the, in the, uh, on the team. And, you know, it was kind of the, there was, I think there's always thought like the first couple of years are going to be bad. You know, it's yeah. a regime. Change. You're going to, you know, there's guys that, we're under Marvin that don't work at all under Zach. And, you know, I think Zach just had to take some years to, to kind of get his own roster in place and build the vision that he had. And, you know, I think uh, that's one thing that the Browns are really good at is being patient with, um, with coaches, you know, they, they could easily and like, those were two bad years and let's go on to the next coach. But, you know, they had patience, they had confidence and Zach to, you know, build a program and, you know, I think that that really paid off for him. So here's a question. I don't want you to throw, I don't think I'm trying to throw anyone into the, uh, under the bus or wanting to do that. Cause 
you know, we loved Marvin as much as do Zach, but they're very different coaches. And what what are the main differences between the two? Is that is that is that something you can talk about a little bit? Um, honestly, I so it, I think it comes down to I, a lot of times as simple as defense versus offense. You know, this league's turning more and more into an offensive driven league, and you mm-hmm. got to score points to win. Um, and you know, if you're fortunate to have a good enough defense along with a great offense, you know, you're gonna you're going to, you know, go pretty far. And, you know, it could be, you know, look out how much more aggressive we are now on, on offense going for a lot more. I've, there's been more fourth downs that I have not punted in the last several years than I could, you know, go back to college and, you know, count on one hand. So just stuff like that. Um, and I think, you know, I, and I think in today's, you know, player, the new kids coming up they're they're used to that kind of in college too, just scoring points, scoring points. And I think, maybe that style of coaching, that style of play maybe gets guys bought in, um, in today's world. And they, they love seeing that and they want to play for a coach like that. That's just really aggressive and, you know, wants to go in and win every single game. Um, so take us into that locker room then when you went on that extraordinary run to reach the playoffs and then eventually get to the Super Bowl. Just take, I mean, was there a moment when you thought or maybe the whole team thought was when you were talking to your teammates, hold on a minute here, something we've just, it feels we've got something going here. There's something special. There's, there's lightning in a bottle. We all get on. There's, there's some sort of crazy kinetic momentum here. Did, did you think that, or was it just literally week to week and just preparing for the next game? That is the boring coach answer. I know. Yeah. It's just week to week, but surely you kind of think, there's something going on here. Did you ever think that? Um, I would say the older guys that have been around for a bit probably looked at that that way, which we only had a few of those. You know, my locker is right next to Clark's snapper. And, you know, we, of course, talked about it. But we had such a young team. And mm. just, you know, it was, you know, it's it was me, Clark, and Evan, who is 22 or 23 at the time. Like, you know, he's fresh out of college and probably just started shaving. And, you know, they just – you know, a lot of these young guys are just like, oh, this is great. Yeah, we, we win. We won in college. We're winning now. This is kind of what we're used to. And they didn't really have a – which I think was fortunate because they didn't really have a sense of how hard it is to win in the NFL. So they just went out and played hard and let's yeah. just go win. I think for the most part, it was more of just like, you know, we're winning. This is cool. Let's keep winning. Yeah. You know, then the old guy, we got something special. Like we should, you know, you know, we got to keep everything, keep everybody together and, you know, just, you know, just make sure, like, everyone stays focused. I'm getting a three men and a baby vibes with you, Clark, and uh, Evan there. <laughs> was it was it, was it that kind of sort of big brother, surrogate, footballing dad relationship between you two and Evan there? Oh, yeah, of course. You know, we, we gave him so much crap throughout the year, just, you know, heckling and, you know, making him do little chores and, you know, just, just fun stuff because he – it was so good for him. And like, he was, um, you know, he, I'm sure there's other situations that kids come into and it might be another rookie snapper or a holder. Um, you know, so I, I kind of think that the fact that me and Clark have been together for so long, um, it was a really good benefit for Evan that he could come in and just be relaxed and just focus on kicking and not worry. Like, is the snap going to be there? Is the hole going to be there? Um, and then, you know, since we had been around Darren for so long, you know, we were, were pretty relaxed around Darren. And so that, that, um, 
relationship between us three was really good. So, you know, it, I think it really helped Evan just to, you know, come right in and, you know, we could kind of mold a little bit to him as well to make sure he's comfortable. So I, I just think just the whole thing worked out extremely well. And then you get to the Super Bowl. As you say, you're a Cincinnati boy. You know, you must have been sort of really proud and the city must have gone, been going wild. Fan base over here was going nuts. You know, everywhere was going nuts. It was crazy. It was so much fun. What happened at halftime? Tell me what happened at halftime. Uh, you know, I went. I was inside getting some snacks. I took my shoes off. was relaxing. And, uh, you know, a couple guys, you know, they – they wanted to hear some music. So they, uh, you know, they went and they went and listened to some music. I don't really want to speak for them, uh, but I was inside eating snacks. I was actually watching, there's a little TV screen I found. I, I watched a little bit of it in the locker room, but I was hungry. Well, I don't, I don't blame you, but I also don't blame the guys that did watch it, you know, as well. Um, that whole experience, I mean, we could talk about that all day. That's another episode, I think. Just top line. What 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 was that? What will you take from that experience? Was it everything that you expected? It was it more intense, more crazy? Was it harder to to keep your feet on the ground? Just 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 give us a few top line takeaways from that whole experience. And you were just literally that close from winning. And again, we don't want to talk about that. We don't want to open old wounds. It's still quite fresh. <laughs> you know, just give us a few top liners from that from that whole experience. Um, you know, I'd say from an overall perspective, um, incredible experience. You know, it's one of those things you, you gotta, when I was there and out in LA, I almost had to like pinch yourself. Like, you know, there's only two teams left and, you know, this it's just, it's kind of surreal at first. Cause the first, the first week and a half is just nonstop, you know, um, logistics with family and tickets and travel and hotels just trying to get that all figured out especially in la which is not the easiest um and then but then once you kind of get to your hotel in la and kind of get settled down then you can kind of relax and really like take in the moment and um i remember just sitting you know walking across the practices at ucs campus and just thinking like this is like we got the super bowl in like four days um, just remember how cool that was. And, you know, I always look back and just the experience in the stadium, you know, having a bunch of family and friends there and, you know, seeing them up in the stands cheering. It was just, just an awesome experience that, you know, obviously I'll never forget. Okay. Uh, Kev, we've got, uh, I would just want to ask you a few quick fire questions and I'll let you go. I can't thank you enough for, for your time. Um, I want you to give me a sentence. I'm going to name, I'm going to give you some players names that you played with. And I want you to give me um, just a brief description. It might be of the man, how silly, funny, talented, whatever uh, they are. So let's start with Clark Harris. Oh, man. He, he's like the most interesting human in the world. Um, just you never know what that man's going to say. You know, it's probably the jersey in him that, uh, yeah. that comes. Just awesome guy, um, great friend, but... Just, you know, an absolute blast to, to have a few beers with. Andrew Whitworth. Um, it's like an older brother. You know, it's, so he always felt um, that you could kind of go to him whenever you needed something. Um, he'd always look out for you, uh, whether it's, you know, in the locker room or, you know, outside the stadium. Just uh, an awesome guy to look up to. 
CJ Uzama. Oh man, he's the best. Absolute awesome human being. Um, fun to be with. Outgoing. You know, always down to do whatever. We've been on, um, you know, ski snowboarding trips together. You know, had several nights that we were up way too late drinking. Just an absolute blast of human to be around. I'm going to fancy putting in some really uh, obscure ones like Quan Crosby and Desmond Briscoe and people like that, but I'll stick to the, the no defense to those guys who are great, obviously. Uh, uh, let's go DJ reader. Oh, he's just a great dude. You know, just one of those guys that you could, you know, I feel like you could walk up to meet him for the first time and you feel like you've known him for, for 10 years, just mm. super talk to um, fun guy. You know, always up for a challenge, whether it's, you know, in the gym, you know, having a little shooting contest or playing cards, put a lot of cards together. Um, so just just a just a great guy to be around. Uh, let's have a thing. Let's let's go Andy Dalton then. Let's go Andy. Um, he is just, you know, the salt of the earth, great human, um, would literally drop anything and do anything for you at any time of the day. Um, just, you know super nice genuine you know just absolute great guy to to have known first for so long um jamar chase um just kind of like a quietly funny guy you know just yeah. self um you know loves shoes but you know you can mess with them and you know he he can mess you right back just kind of a he's just he's got this, this like quiet confidence to him um that was just kind of kind of a fun uh, addition to the locker room when he came in. Gino Atkins, and I'm gonna I'm not gonna go on all night with this, but um, I, I want to ask about Gino because he he's obviously not comfortable speaking with the press. I'm not quite sure why, but I, something maybe happened or he was misquoted or whatever. But I I obviously does not like speaking to the press. I want to know what's he like in the locker room. Is he quiet? Is he, or is he, is he kind of just one of the a normal guy, basically? I'd say he's just kind of quiet to everyone. You know, he's just a quiet, reserved. You know, let's call it introverted or not. I'm not really sure. I don't really know him too well outside the a locker room. Um, but you know, I, from what I observed over the years I was with him, he's just he's just a kind of a quiet guy. He's got a couple guys that he was close with that he talked to, but you know, I don't think it's necessarily the media in general. It's just more. Um, he just likes to keep to himself. And finally, we have to ask about Joe Burrow. Joe, I I feel is quite an enigmatic guy. He he's private. He feels like a private person, but he he's obviously in a he plays a position that is the most uh, scrutinized and you know the kind of real big position in the sport in terms of. Uh, people wanted to talk to him and whatever, but he doesn't seem to play that game or like, why is he like inside the dressing room? Cause I, I think he's, he's got this real inner steely confidence about him. That's why it feels like looking from the outside in basically. Yeah. It's, it's, it's spot on. Exactly. He's like a, it's like a very quiet confidence and it's like, he doesn't need to say much to, to make an impact or to like make his point known. Um, you know, you're going to know exactly what he's thinking, but he's not going to do it in a flashy yelling, um, type of way. He's going to tell you how you, how he wants it done and you're going to do it. Um, that's just kind of like the, you know, it's kind of like he's quiet, but like, look at the outfits he wears on game day. Like that's <laughs> like, that's like his alter ego now, you know, when he, you know, when he, whoever 
gets in those outfits for games. Um, you know, I feel like that's just kind of the inner confidence that he has. He's going to show it via an outfit, but he's not really going to talk about it. Um, mm. It's it's he's kind of a he's a very unique um, person that I've met in my life. Um, mm. You know, super intellectual. Um, you know, he's he's he'll sit there with a chessboard in front of him all day and just play chess. Um, yeah. That's just kind of guy he is. Really, yeah, I'd, I'd love to sit down for 10 minutes with him. Um, but anyway, Kev, I must let you go. Two final questions. Which is the worst moment that, of your career? Ooh. The jaw break I, against the Steelers or the loss yeah. against the Steelers or the Super Bowl loss? What, what's going on? Yeah, the Super Bowl loss was tough. Um, that's probably the worst, you know, because you can come back from a broken bone. It's, it's, it's hard yeah, to come yeah. back from loss because you know you you know that's the last chance i'd ever have getting there so i'd say the super bowl loss is probably the hardest moment uh and i guess i need to ask you about your 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 most cherished moment really and it doesn't have to be it might be like a moment with a teammate or a you know it could be a really obscure win or you've had a really good game any is there anything that just pops into your head because I'm, I'm sure there's lots the pro bowl the fake punt against uh, Washington. People will always remember that very fondly. Uh, have you got Have you got something that pops into your head instantly? I, I'd say, honestly say probably the uh, when I um, was selected the Pro Bowl, and it's kind of multifold. One layer is the fact that just you know not less than a year ago is when I got hit um, in Pittsburgh. So that was 2013 when I got hit in December, and then I was voted in 2014 the following year. Um, so I was pretty proud of myself to come back from that after having to sit out basically until, um, it was almost June before I could start kicking because of my, my neck didn't heal all the way. And then, um, just, I think it's, you know, it's very, it's never really talked about just how difficult it is to punt in the AFC North. You know, we don't have any domes. It's terrible weather most of the time. So, you know, for me to be able to be selected the Pro Bowl coming out of that, um, division was a pretty proud moment for me. Mm. well kev i just want to say thank you for your time i mean i know we spent it probably a bit longer than i i perhaps asked you to but so thank you so much for that um and and thank you just for well congratulations obviously on a terrific career uh and all the all the amazing moments you've given us um and i want to say thank you from us and myself personally uh, thank you for being amazing with the fans. You know, um, I think there's a real humbleness and a, uh, that comes from you. And you didn't have to, um, you didn't have to kind of say hello and speak to fans outside the Admiralty that night. You didn't have to um, remember me when I was in Cincinnati in 2017 and we had a chat in in the players' tunnel there. You didn't have to come on the podcast. You don't have to come on the podcast yet. So I just thank you for for your relationship and openness with the fans. And I'm sure people in Cincinnati will be the same. Um, and I just wish you and Mindy the best for what happens next. You know, um, uh, perhaps you'll come on again at some point and we can talk about the games as as just fan to fan rather than uh, fan to player. But uh, thank you for your Great. time, Kevin, and all the best. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. There we go. Uh, there was super Kevin Huber. Um, I hope you really enjoyed that chat because I did and I, actually I've got I had loads more questions for him and I'm sort of kicking myself Nathan because I, I didn't ask him about Vontez Perfect. I should have asked him about 
you know, I asked him about what Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, what they're really like, and Geno Atkins and Whitworth and CJ Uzama and all these guys. Why the hell did I? I need to ask him about Vontae. I thought Smith. you could answer his bank details next, son. How long you had him? <laughs> I know, right? Well, literally, did you know offline he did? Uh, no, he didn't. Um, uh, yeah. So thanks to Kev. Lots of really interesting things. The fact uh, that he'd been considering retirement for five years that's pretty crazy and i think that's if we were to write a newspaper i think that would be our exclusive i think uh, our exclusive headline uh, but yeah huge thanks to kev we'll get him on again as a fan as i mentioned he now is going to be uh, attending games at paycor uh, and cheering the team on and uh, of course we do wish him the best so cheers to kev cheers kev um it was funny wasn't it i mean we 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 both met him at the same time outside the Admiralty, wasn't it? That was that was the year. Yeah, and that was the thing when we met him that time. You know, you know, this was God, it's going back like six, seven years ago now, isn't it? Or certainly five. Um, and he was just such a stand-up nice geezer, wasn't he? he? Just sort of rocked up at the pub. It was like, well, Jesus, that's Kevin Uber just in street clothes, hanging out. You know, I can't remember if he was drinking a pint. Probably not because he was playing you know, the next day, but just a really lovely bloke, very approachable, down to earth, easy to talk to, you know, forthcoming, like you've just seen in that interview. So, you know, a real pleasure and a guy that obviously from Cincinnati, given a lot to the club, been a real mainstay and really one of the few players that was sort of remains um, from that Marvin Lewis era now. I think what realistically now what we're down to Tyler Boyd, is he the only surviving player that's been here sort of more than you know that sort of five six years i think he might well be so yeah it's a new era in cincinnati at punter isn't it it's gonna be that's another fascinating battle really isn't it is who's gonna be his long-term successor you know you probably bet on brad robbins with them taking him in the draft but you know i also wouldn't rule out drew christman see what he's got um be a nice battle to watch indeed and of course as a as befitting a legend we uh, long-term listeners will know that we like to sing uh, a tribute song, put a tribute song together uh, for that person, and uh, Kevin is no different. So here's Kev's tribute song. Super Hoover coming in on four down, but I won't feel blue. Hunting ball so true He came here from Cincy I was getting tired of everything When you came and replaced Kyle Larson there was T.O. and Ocho too When the passer back then was Carson Wishing it was fought down so I could see you punt Suddenly I felt alright And it feels so different when your booming kicks take flight Tonight the Super Hooper punts are gonna find me Kicking to the sun Nowhere left to run Downing it inside the one Super Hooper coming in on fourth down But I won't feel blue 
kids in so true He came here from sin see you have seen the good and seen the bad from a broken jar against the stealers soon you healed and then came back to prove that they're just dirty cheaters during one preseason game you went out to punt and everything looked okay but then you pulled a fake and made everyone look like i can't say that Super Hooper pumps are gonna find me Kicking to the sun Nowhere left to run Down and inside the one Super Hooper coming in on fourth down But I won't feel blue Hitting ball so true he came here from Sin CU. So I was there on Super Bowl night at the Bengals pub sinking rum, whiskey, and wine and Eminem. Snoop Dogg and Dre, they can't party the Hooba way. Tonight the super bye, who ba punts are gonna find me Kicking to the sun Nowhere left to run Downing it inside the one Super who coming in on fourth down But I won't feel blue Hitting ball so true he came here from Sin CU. There we go, Nathan. That's the <laughs> super Huber. What do you think? I I thought we were, I, we've been a while since we've done one of these. I was kind of hoping you'd forgotten about them, but um, <laughs> I hope Kev stopped listening after his interview and he hasn't listened on and had to hear that. But if he has, I hope he enjoyed it. He did. I did warn him that there was going to be um, a tribute song. So I hope he had a couple of pints before he listened to it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So yeah, I think we'll we'll leave it there for this week. Um, any any other business that you'd like to talk about right before we go? Uh, no, I'm I'm buzzing for the season. I, I'm I'm really worried. I was talking um I was talking out with a few friends of mine. We were just sort of spitting balls about the NFL a bit and what to expect next season. How competitive the Bengals will be? They're asking me, and I feel confident. But I just every time I talk about it, and I've harped on about this on the podcast before, but I am worried about the strength of the AFC this year. I just it just feels massively, you know, over overinflated compared to the NFC. I think it's going to be a really tricky task for us to navigate it. I think we'll be very good, 
But I do think we've got worse at safety. I think we've got worse at tight end. And I just, I hope that the sheer quality of Joe Boy, Jamar Chase, T Higgins, Trey Hendrickson, DJ Reader can really sort of stand out and push us over the top. Because I think the AFC North is going to be bloody competitive. I don't see easy games in there. I, I think Cleveland will be good this year. I think the Steelers will be better this year with Kenny Pickett going into year two. So I'm, I, I know we've sort of sat there and we did our predictions and things, but I'm looking back at it now with a slightly sort of clean slate, clean head. It does make me slightly nervous. I think we're going to have to step it up a gear to be even get close. I mean, the last two years have been exceptional, you know, and have fan expectations for this team have never been higher than they are going into this year. You know, you've gone Super Bowl AFC title game. And I, I actually watched that AFC title game back against the Chiefs um, last week. I was just sort of sat there a bit hungover, just sort of, what shall I watch? And I watched the one where we beat them in the AFC title game, watched that back. That was glorious, but brought some real emotion to me when they kicked that field goal to win it. Um, and then I sort of, the next video after it, ironically, just sort of on the autoplay was um, this year's game. And it was the first time I've watched it back and fantastic game. And you, you watch it back and you just think how close we came to sort of making it to um, that Super Bowl. And, you know, you'd look at that and you'd say, I reckon we'd have had a really good chance, possibly a much better chance than we had last uh, the year before against the Rams. So, yeah, it's been fine margins, but I do think to get anywhere near that again, um we're going to have to take it up a, up a gear. And looking at the team we've got going into this year, I'm not convinced we're better. Um, I'm not convinced we're worse either, really. I think it's, you know, sort of six of one, half a dozen of the other, let's say. But, yeah, it's going to be going to be a real big fight this year, I think, to try and push ourselves it through it. Because the quality is very, very high. And that's me on a bit of a monologue rather than any other business. But no, that's, that's cool, man. Of, that's cool. That's uh, sort of where I am, I think. Not quite a poppadon preach, but we'll bring that back pretty soon. But, um, but yeah, a bit more news. Uh, we couldn't quite get a summer party together for one reason or another this year. So apologies for that. But we will have one next year for sure. And we're working hard on getting some meetups sorted for the first game of the season so look up for that and uh, I think that's it for Bengals UK stuff really isn't it and um, uh, but yeah we're going to be getting into into the football side of things next week uh, training camp starts we've got our own hard knockers coming up in a few weeks time that should be interesting and fun and uh, uh, i got to write it first but anyway yes um, thank you so much for listening thanks to uh, Kevin Huber super Kevin Huber, Super Bar Huber Bar. Um, thank you so much to him. And uh, we'll be diving into the football side of things next week. But until then, it is, as you know, as I know, as everyone knows, a Who Day from me. And a Who Day from me. Cheers, guys.
And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.